we're talking about the life of Jesus. We're letting people see Jesus. And today we've got to a point in his life after he's gone up on the mountain to pray, he's chosen his 12 apostles, he's healed lots of people, he's started preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts talking about the law, the rules that the Jewish people lived under. And it's a very important topic. The, the law and the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, actually there were 613 commandments if you add them all up, and how that related to them how Jesus related to the law and how you and I relate to the law is an enormously important topic. There are so many people who are Christians who live in a relationship with Jesus, but their relationship with the law, with the rules, have changed their Christianity to be something that God never intended. And today I'm praying and believing that God will loosen some shackles and help us to understand but there's some very interesting things that Jesus said. Jesus made a comment in Matthew chapter 5. Let me just read what he said. He said, Do not think that I came to destroy, destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Okay. Verse 18, For assuredly I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, that's the little bits on the letters of the Hebrew writing. Those are the little, the little marks in the writing of the Bible. He says, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he speaks about um, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder, but I'm saying it's even much stricter than that. It's in your heart. He said, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. I'm saying it's even in your heart. He said, you've heard it said this and you, shouldn't, you should punish your enemies. I'm saying turn the other cheek. So he took the law and he made it even stricter. And then at the end of this little passage in verse 48, he says, Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, if we take that passage of Scripture, if we take that little section of Jesus' sermon, and we just say that is all there is to it, you and I are in trouble. <laughs> that is a scary fact. Be perfect. Not just as the most perfect human is, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow! What do I do with this? And then I add to that the fact that Jesus' attitude to rules and law in the way that he acted out his life seems in slight conflict with this. Why do I say that? Well, let me read you a couple of examples. The Pharisees and the scribes, this is Mark 7 verse 5, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? In other words, Jesus and his disciples were breaking a rule 
that the religious people had and that they believed was part of the law. He answered and said to them, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things. He said to them, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. So he was saying, what you think are rules and laws may not be right. Maybe you've put an interpretation on the rules or added to the rules in a way that wasn't what God intended. What about this bit in Matthew 23, verse 23? Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, they took all these little herbs that were growing in the field and in the garden and anything that grew in their garden, they said, we must set aside a tithe and pay it to God. So they were meticulous in their keeping of the law regarding tithes, paying to God their, their money and their, and their goods. But, he says, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. In other words, they were doing the outward act, actions of the law, but in their heart, they didn't have justice and mercy and faith. The inward attitudes were wrong. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He said, you should have done them all, the tithing and the inward attitudes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Again, it seems like Jesus is saying, be perfect. Let me read you another story. This is Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus knew that the Pharisees were watching him closely, and he knew that they thought he was a rule breaker. And watch what he does here. This is in particular with regard to the commandments about the Sabbath and how the Jews keep the Sabbath holy. They do no work and, and the way that they go about on the Sabbath. Mark 2, verse 23. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? He went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, except for the priests. And he gave some to those who were with him. And then Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he was saying, your interpretation of the Sabbath is wrong. It's not about keeping rules. It's about the spirit behind the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And now listen to this story. Same passage. And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. So Jesus knew they were watching him. He knew this was a, a contentious issue, a, a thorny issue. He knew he was in the spotlight, but he didn't shy away. He made a bigger spectacle of it. He called the man forward and, he, and he's 
realizing the Pharisees are there, gazing at him. And he said to the Pharisees, verse 4, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? So now he's confronting them. He says, what is the law really saying? You're so hung up on your little rules and regulations. What is the law really saying? Is it okay to do good on the Sabbath, even if it's work? And they kept silent. Verse 5. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. In other words, he knew that what he was doing was against their rules, but he made a big deal about it. He says, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. There's two kinds of people when it comes to rules. There's people who love rules. They're called compliant personalities. There's people who get a kick out of rules. They like everything to be just so. They like to follow the rules, and they like other people to follow the rules. Their shirts are nicely put in their cupboards in color order and properly folded. And they love to make everything just right. And there's other people who actually get a kick out of breaking rules. I read two quotes by two authors. The first is by a lady called Carolyn Stevermeer. And she said, How dreadful it is to be caught up in a game and have no idea of the rules. She loves rules. She wants to know where she stands. What can I do and what can't I do? What must I do and what mustn't I do in order to succeed? I want to know the rules. Please give me some security. There's another author called Mandy Hale who said, You'll learn as you get older that rules are made to be broken. Be bold enough to live life on your own terms and never apologize for it. Go against the grain, refuse to conform, take the road less traveled instead of the well-beaten path. Laugh in the face of adversity, leap before you look, dance as though everybody is watching, march to the, march to the beat of your own drummer and stubbornly refuse to fit in. <laughs> My question is, which one was Jesus? Which one was He? And what should we be? You know, I understand there are personality types and personality traits, but there is a right way to live as a Christian, regardless of our personality, in relation to rules. And it's important for us. In Christian churches, you get some people who love the rules. They love them. In fact, they make rules about the rules. They just love the rules. There are other Christians who are the anti-establishment Christians, and they just love to offend people who make rules. They go out of their way to offend. They play heavy rock music, and they sing lyrics that are almost dodgy just to try and get a reaction out of people. Which one should we be? Before I give the answer. Let me just read a couple of other verses in the Bible about the law. Because it seems 
that Jesus may have been disagreeing with the other parts of the Bible. Let me read these verses to you. Romans 7 verse 8 says, sorry, let me, let me start with, um, some other verses before I get to those. Romans 6 verse 14. For you, Christian, are not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law, but under grace. Colossians 2 says that when Jesus died on the cross, He nailed the list of regulations and rules to the cross, and they died with Him there for us as Christians. How does that fit together with Jesus saying, I didn't come to abolish but to fulfill. How does that fit together? Galatians 2 verse 19 says, For I died to the law that I might live to God. Romans 7 at the beginning says that if a Christian tries to obey the law, it's like a woman trying to commit adultery with a previous husband. How do I fit this together? Does Jesus disagree with the law, with, with the, the rest of the Bible? I have a wonderful story to tell you, which I believe illustrates this really well. There's a lady called Amanda Boxtel. She is a paraplegic. On February the 27th, 1992, she, at the age of 24, she had a skiing accident. She was a fit, active young lady. She was skiing in Aspen, Colorado, and she fell, and she broke her back, and she was paralyzed from then onwards. And for 20-odd years, she had to be in a seated or lying down position. She could never stand up. Uh, she could never have a, a normal face-to-face -face conversation with anyone. Um, she was paralyzed. She was her body was as good as dead, even though it was still alive. Even though there was still blood pumping and, and the, the flesh was still alive, it may as well have been dead because it didn't work from the waist down. And a, a company has invented a device called the exo, exoskeleton, a bionic device, which they fit around a paralyzed person, and it's got motors and controls and it enables these paralyzed people to stand up and to walk, even though they're completely paralyzed. It's only been around for the last couple of years. It's a brand new device. Uh, it costs a lot of money at the moment, but they believe eventually everyone who's paralyzed will be able to use them and to walk around. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. And it has amazing benefits for the person. It improves their cardiovascular, their breathing, their blood system. Uh, it improves... Uh, all sorts of things. Their, their um, intestinal tract works better. Their self-esteem and their emotional health is improved enormously. They're able to have relationships with people. Just standing up and talking face-to-face -face apparently is the most incredible thing. Why am I telling you the story? Because it's a brilliant example of the law. And if you just stick with me, I'm going to explain what I mean. The Bible says that in the beginning when God made us, made man, we were in God's image. We were like God on the inside. Our spirit, the real us, was like God and therefore we acted like God on the outside as well. That's what the Bible says. On the inside I was like God and therefore I acted like God. 
But a time came where human beings rejected God. They turned away from God. They said, God, we don't want you. And the Bible says their inside, their spirit was cut off from God and died. And yet the outside was still alive. Are you following with me so far? Just like Amanda Boxtel. There was a time when she was alive and then something died on the inside of her. And even though the flesh was still theoretically alive, it had no real life in it. It couldn't live and work and move the way it was designed. And so for many thousands of years, and this is what surprises a lot of people, for many thousands of years, human beings existed without the life of God inside, just living with their external bodies, and there was no law where God told them how to live for many thousands of years. You know, a misconception we have is that the law came in immediately as soon as Adam and Eve sinned. But it didn't. The law was only instituted in about 1400 BC. There were thousands of years before the law when people lived without the law. What was the law given for? It's an exoskeleton. And I'm going to explain what I mean. The law was given, the Bible says in the New Testament, I don't have time to go into all the verses now, but it says the law was given to stop us destroying ourselves and to remind us that we need a Savior. The exoskeleton is given to keep you moving and working the way you would if you were still alive on the inside so that hopefully one day, if they find a real cure, your body's still flexible enough and you're still okay and you can still live and get the real cure. The law was given. God knew He was going to fix the inside again. He was going to make the inside of us alive again. But we would have destroyed ourselves if He hadn't given us the law to keep us going in the right direction and to protect us from sin and to make us realize we need a salvation. We need a Savior. We need our insides to be healed and made alive again. The law was given to keep us safe. The Bible calls it a schoolmaster or a tutor. To keep us safe until Christ was revealed when the inside could be made alive again. This is such an important point. This is so so important. How many Christians have completely misunderstood this? They think the law is God. They think the law is how God wants to relate to us, even as Christians. But actually, the law was given as a schoolmaster to keep us safe and to make us realize, I still need a, sa a Savior to make my insides alive, to make me fully healed. It's just a temporary fix. I hope that makes sense to you. I hope you can follow my, my logic on this one. The law was a helpful device, but it wasn't the real deal. Jesus came along and he brought healing for the inside. The Bible says in many places, in Jeremiah and in Hebrews, God says, I will make a new covenant with them where I change their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, where I write my laws on their heart and on their mind. So instead of an external device making us obey God, He says, I'm going to change your insides and change your heart so that you don't need the external device anymore. And Galatians 3 says, the schoolmaster of the law 
kept us going until we found Christ. Now that we found Christ, we don't need the schoolmaster anymore. We can throw the exoskeleton away because I've got life on the inside. Now, people will say to me, but didn't Jesus say that we have to fulfill the law? Let's read again what Jesus said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. This is Matthew 5, 17. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I didn't come to destroy the exoskeleton. I came to make you not need it anymore. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Till you can really be righteous from the inside again. Now listen to this, verse 19. This is where it gets important. He says, Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that? Remember Jesus said, your righteousness has to be perfect for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. But now he says, if you break one of these commandments, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. How can I be in the kingdom of heaven when I'm breaking a commandment if I have to be perfect to get in the kingdom of heaven? I'm not sure you're following me. Let me read it again. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does and teaches these commandments shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He was saying, the exoskeleton makes you realize, the law makes you realize how you should be living, but that you can't do it on your own. It's not perfect. It's not enough. Unless your righteousness is better than the most righteous person you know who's using an exoskeleton, you can't be saved. You have to be perfect to get saved. I can make you perfect by changing your heart, and then your righteousness will exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, but not because you're trying to obey the rules, because it's coming from the inside of you. It's so important. Let me read that to you again. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and teaches other men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does and teaches these commandments shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, real inward life, the, the life that God created us to live, living like God Himself, that's what's important, not obeying a whole set of rules and regulations from the outside that are just there to help us until real salvation comes. Why am I laboring this point? Because as Christians, we have this life on the inside of us. God has made our heart brand new. We, we've been restored to real healing. Real righteousness on the inside, and yet so many of us are so bound by thinking, have I put my exoskeleton on today? 
big issue here, friends. Big, big important point. So many Christians, most of us, we keep going back to the comfort and the security of the rules. Have I kept all the rules? Have I done this rule and that rule? Or what about this rule? Are there any other rules I should be keeping? And we try to put on the exoskeleton again instead of saying, Lord, thank you that you've made me alive on the inside. If I just live out the healing that's in me, I will fulfill all the rules. One more illustration. There was a lady who was married to a man. This is similar to the Romans 7 story where it says a woman who is married to the law and then married to Christ. Let me just read it to you because it's very helpful. Romans chapter 7. Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, although she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that, he should, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, in the exoskeleton, the sinful passions that were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we've been delivered from the law, from the exoskeleton, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I want you to imagine a lady who's married to a man called Mr. Law. He's always right. He always tells her what to do and what not to do and when she's wrong. He never forgets. <laughs> and he never dies. Not one jot or one tittle will ever pass away. What a terrible situation. Every day he says, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. She's under the weight of this marriage, this man who just tells her what she's done wrong all the time. And it says here she's released because she dies through Christ's death. She's released from that marriage to the law to marry a new man, which is the newness of the spirit. So imagine a lady whose husband always used to make her lists every day. Do this, clean the floor. Go shopping, don't do this, do this. And he makes her list, and every day she gets a new list from him, and one day he dies, and she later meets another man who she loves, and she has a wonderful marriage with this new man. And one day she's sitting there on her couch in her lounge, and she's just thinking about what a wonderful marriage she now has, and her hand feels in the back of the couch, and she pulls out a little bit of paper, and it's one of the lists that her previous husband used to make for her. And she reads the list and she looks at all the things he told her to do and she realizes, I'm doing them, but not because of a list. I'm doing them because I love. How can I conclude this? Friends, you and I, our righteousness, we cannot, by being good and obeying laws, be good enough to get to heaven. Jesus said, unless you're perfect, 
You can't get into heaven. But then he made us alive on the inside, made us perfect on the inside, and we just have to live that out. Not because of rules. We're free from the exoskeleton. We let that life just live itself out of us. Live it. Just let it come out. You'll live better through love for Christ than you ever did by trying to obey the laws. You'll live better by mistake when you forget about the laws. You just worship Jesus and try to live for Him and love Him. You'll live better by mistake than you ever did on purpose. Imagine the sadness of a person who's fully healed from paralysis, but every day they go and put their exoskeleton back on. How sad would that be? Let's pray together.